and awesome. Well, I know I'm not Flash. I know I'm somebody different. But I would like to thank Flash for giving me the opportunity to get up here and speak tonight. Um, I take it as a high honor um, for him to, you know, at least trust me to get up here and speak in the first place. Um, so if we can give a round of applause to Flash, because he, he gets a break tonight. He gets a break tonight. So he gets to chill, chill uh, where we usually do. So perfect. All right. So tonight I just want to open up um, with some opening texts. Um, if you ever I was with you, feel more than free to turn to these scriptures with me. Um, but first, I just want to go to 1 Peter 4, 12 through 16. We can get that up there. Thank you. So um, here it says, Beloved, do not think it's strange concerning the fiery trial, which is to try you as though some strange thing happened to you. But rejoice to the extent that you partake of Christ's sufferings, that when his glory is revealed, you may also be glad with exceeding joy. If you are reproached for the name of Christ, blessed are you. For the spirit of glory and of God rests upon you. On their part he is blasphemed, but on your part he is glorified. But let none of you suffer as a murderer, a thief, or evildoer, or as a busybody in other people's matters. Yet if anyone suffers as a Christian, let him not be ashamed, but let him glorify God in this matter. And then the second um, text that I want to pull from tonight is going to be from John. Uh, it's going to be John 17, 11 through 19. It's going to be a lot of scripture right at the beginning. Don't worry, I'm getting out of the way. We'll go from there. So, now it happened as he went to Jerusalem that he passed through the midst of Samaria and Galilee. Then as he entered a certain village, there met him ten men who were lepers who stood afar off. And they lifted up their voices and said, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. So when he saw them, he said to them, Go show yourselves to the priests. And so it was that as they went, they were cleansed. And one of them, when he saw that he was healed, returned and with a loud voice glorified God. And he fell down on his face at his feet, giving him thanks. And he was a Samaritan. So Jesus answered and said, There were not ten cleansed, but where are the nine? Were there not any found who returned to give glory to God except this foreigner? And he said to him, Arise, go your way, your faith has made you well. If I had to put a title on this um, sermon, it would be The Fruit of Your Suffering. The Fruit of Your Suffering. Let's pray before we get into the sermon here today. Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord Jesus, for the opportunity to be here within this place tonight. I just pray, Lord, that your hand would be on this service, Lord, that your hand would be on me here tonight, Lord, that you would touch these students' hearts and minds, that they would receive something here within this service, God, that your spirit would just overflow within this place, and that your will would be done, and not my own or anybody else's within this place, for you deserve all the glory and all the honor and all the praise. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen. All right. So... Um, have any of you heard of like a first world problem? Do you guys know what that is? Yeah. I'm assuming you've heard of that. Perfect. Okay. So I have a few examples of what a first world problem might look like in case you guys don't know what it looks like. Number one, traffic. I hate traffic. I don't know about you guys, but I hate traffic. And I think we can oftentimes complain a lot about it. But the reality, of, but the reality is we have a car. Not a lot of people have cars in the world. And to be honest with you, coming um, to church tonight, I got stuck in like 15 minutes of traffic because of all the construction, and I was getting pretty frustrated. But I had to check myself and be like, it's going to be okay. I'll be fine. We're going to make it. Number two, my house is such a mess. I have too much stuff to pick up. Um, <laughs> whether, you know, whether it's clothes or whether if you're playing with Legos or whatever you got, you got plenty of stuff, right? Plenty of stuff. But when you make a mess, then you have to pick it up. First world problem. 
Another one I've got here is my phone charging cable isn't long enough to reach my bed. Um, I feel this one um, every once in a while. My phone's not charged. You know, you just want to lay in bed and relax for a little bit, and then psych, your phone's almost dead. You can't. You have to keep it in the other side of the room. You can't even uh, look at your phone before you go to bed. Um, this next one hits home pretty hard. I'll be honest. So, okay, you show up at McDonald's, right? You're in the drive-thru. You order your 20-piece nugget. You haven't eaten all day. You're ready just to slam these nuggets. You get the bag. You're driving home. You get home. You open the bag. Pull out the nuggets. And what do you find at the bottom of the bag? One sauce. One sauce for 20 nuggets. It's not possible. I don't care, I don't care how you do it. It's not possible. Then you go to the fridge, and guess what? You're out of ranch. You got no sauce in the fridge either. So, first world problem, right? And then finally, the other one is, I, I do this plenty of times, but you wake up in the morning, and you're like, man, I have nothing to wear. But if we're being honest, we have plenty to wear. <laughs> we have plenty of clothes in our closet, and for me, a lot of times, you know, when I do my laundry, my laundry just kind of sits in the corner. So then I find something I want to wear, but it's all wrinkled. I don't want to iron my shirt. I don't have time for that. So then you just have to complain about it and move on with your day. But although these situations are annoying, don't get me wrong, they don't <clears throat> truly mean that we're suffering, though, right? It's just these small, simple things that, you know, they're annoying, but it's not truly suffering. So tonight, I want to talk about two different categories of suffering. The first one is suffering for Jesus' sake, and the second one is suffering because of the world we are born into. So, going off the first one for suffering for Jesus' sake, when we go through life as a Christian, you will go through trials. There's no question about it. In 2 Timothy 3.12, it says, Yes, and all who desire to live godly in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. No matter what you do, no matter how much you try in this life, you will go through something for Christ. If you truly stand up for Christ, wherever you are, you, someone's going to um, fight you. Someone, someone's going to come up against you. It's, it literally says you will suffer persecution. Not, oh, maybe you will. No, no, no. You will suffer perse- persecution. And the interesting part about this type of suffering is it's completely voluntary. You actually choose to be part of this suffering. You don't have to follow God. You truly don't have to. But when you make the choice and the decision to follow Jesus, you are going to suffer for it. And we'll get, we'll get into it, but that's a good thing. It's the suffering that is good. It is a positive suffering, I promise you. So looking back um, at the opening text in 1 Peter 4, 13 through 14, I'm just going to read um, part of that opening text here for you. It says, But rejoice to the extent that you partake of Christ's sufferings, That when his glory is revealed, you may also be glad with exceeding joy. If you are reproached for the name of Christ, blessed are you, for the spirit of glory and God rests upon you. On their part he is blasphemed, but on your part he is glorified. First part I want to look at here is, it says to rejoice for suffering. I don't know about you, but I hear the word suffering, I don't think I'm going to rejoice about it. Because suffering is uncomfortable, it's not fun. But it, it says here that we should rejoice for that suffering. And then also it says here for the word reproached, when it says if you are reproached for the name of Christ. Personally, I didn't really know what it was, so I looked up what reproach meant. Um, And reproach means um, to express disapproval or disappointment. So when you receive that disapproval, disappointment, or um, anything coming against you, that you should just continue um, talking about Christ and um, speaking to others about him. 
And then also within here it says, God's spirit and the spirit of glory rests upon you while you are seen as blasphemers. <clears throat> well, sorry, while they are seen as blasphemers. So Christ's spirit is upon you and also says his spirit of glory rests upon you. I don't know about you, but God cares about his glory a lot. So when he says his glory is resting upon you, that's a pretty big deal. And then it's also seen as the people who are speaking against you, they're blasphemers. So it's kind of a win-win. Like God's commending you and he's like, well, they're just dumb. They're lame. So, it is better to suffer for Christ's sake than to hide him from this world. In verse 14, it says, blessed are you um, for receiving that, um, that suffering. So, when you recognize and see that someone's fighting you, you're receiving some type of um, backlash at all, you're doing something right. You, you're doing the right thing. You're doing what Christ wants you to do. And who better to know about suffering for Christ's sake than himself? So when Jesus was here on earth, he went through so much for the gospel. He was hated, he was frankly treated like dirt, and always had his critics. So back in the day when Jesus was alive, um, he was born in what city? Oh, he was born in Bethlehem, but he was raised in Nazareth, yes. <laughs> so Jesus comes back to Nazareth, and he goes um, to the synagogue where they, you know, the preaching of the word, and... Um, the reading of the word, and he's the one who's actually presenting it. And um, within the story, um, it reads in Luke 4, 20, 30, it says, So all those in the synagogue, when they heard these things, were filled with wrath, and rose up and thrust him out of the city, and led him to the brow of the hill on which their city was built, that they might throw him over the cliff. Then passing through the midst of them, he went away. So Jesus shows up, talks about the gospel. The people don't receive it very well. And I don't know about you, but I'd be kind of hurt if, like, you know, I left the city I grew up in, came back, and I'm like, listen to this. This is super awesome. you got to hear it. And then their reply was, we're going to kill you. Like, that's not cool. But thankfully, Jesus was able to sneak out of there and get away. He didn't die. Later, later things happened. But he doesn't die yet. Okay? He doesn't stay dead either, but we'll get, we'll get to that. So, so. At that point, the people received Jesus' word, and when they felt that conviction in their heart, their response wasn't very rational. They wanted to kill him. Like, come on. <laughs> that ain't it, chief. So, <laughs> so Jesus suffered for this gospel. He ultimately gave his life for it, which given the decision between a political terrorist and Jesus to be crucified, the crowd picked to save Barabbas, uh, which is in Matthew 27. So at the point when... Jesus was about to be crucified. Pilate presented Barabbas, who, if you don't know, is a political terrorist. And when you hear terrorist, that's not a good thing, any way you look at it. So you have Barabbas, who's a terrorist, and then you have Jesus, the guy who's saving people, the guy who's healing people. Barabbas kills people. Jesus raises people from the dead. Barabbas is killing the population. Jesus is bringing it up. Yet, when given the decision, the people wanted to say Barabbas and not Jesus. However you say his name, Bar Barabbas, Barabbas, whatever. So, <laughs> so, in the end, Jesus was chosen and then was later then crucified. So, it is better to suffer for Christ's sake than to live a life that this world would call freedom. This world wants to make you think that other things are going to be better than living for Christ. But when you live for Christ and you receive the suffering and you receive the turmoil, the backlash, he will bless you. He will give you joy. He will supply that for you. 
And then moving on into our second point, um, talking about the suffering because of this world. So the type of suffering um, that this is, is one that everybody goes through. If you're born into this world, you feel pain, it's a fact of life. You know, you're going to go through things. You're going to deal with death. You're going to deal with um, not very nice people in general. You're going to deal with people that are going to speak about you. You're going to deal with a lot of stuff in life. But that's, that's something everybody deals with. The first one, um, when we suffer for Christ, we receive that as Christians. But this other suffering, you're literally qualified for it because you were born. You're going you're gonna to receive it within your life. So going back into the opening text about the lepers um, from John, um, if you really think about it, do you think God wanted these men to have leprosy? No, of course not. He, when he first created this world, he created the perfect world of Adam and Eve. But because of sin entering into the world, things like this happen. Because we're born into a world of sin and darkness, disease is here, hate is here, fear is here. We have all those things because we're born into a world like this. So, um, when we look back at the text, it, um, it shows you know that they go up to Jesus, you know, ask for healing and everything else. Um, these men didn't allow their suffering to become their identity. Instead, they seeked out Jesus and His healing power. Um, and today, Jesus does want to heal you. He does want to help you. It may not be a physical ailment. It may not be um, a certain um, type of situation, you know, within your mind or anything. It could be a predicament um, between you know, within your family, within a coworker. It can it can come in many different forms. But Jesus wants to help you with it. He wants to get you through it. It's just the question of do you have the faith to ask him for it? Are you willing to change to have that change in your life? And also, um, everything that happens in life. It's not fair. Life's not fair in general. In Matthew 5 and 45, it says that you may be uh, sons of your fathers in heaven, for he makes his son rise on the evil and on the good and sends rain on the just and the unjust. Bad things happen to good people. Good things happen to bad people and vice versa. Again, when you come into this world of sin and darkness, you're, bad things are going to happen just because it's life. Things happen... Um, Simply because we're in this world. It's not because, you know, your brother or sister are out to get you or anything like that. It's just life happens. That's like the best way of putting it at this point. Um, and then again, if we look back at Jesus, his life again, um, go figure. He went through both of these types of suffering, just like you and I. Um, but he dealt with a lot of these sufferings in life. One of those things being when Lazarus died. Lazarus was, um, was one of Jesus' best friends. He was, he was a very, very close friend of Jesus. And he ends up passing away. And in John 11, it talks about how Jesus wept because of Lazarus' death. Not Jesus had a little like shed of tear, just kind of like, oh, bah humbug, he died. He wept. He wept for his friend. That's a, a very severe way of crying. And then also, he also dealt with um, being denied um, when Peter denied him three times. And it's funny because Jesus literally tells Peter, you're going to deny me. He's like, no, 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 it ain't happening. And then it happens. <laughs> it's like like you have that one friend that you know is probably going to fail you, but you have that one inkling of like, oh, just maybe, just maybe they won't, and then they do. You have a little bit of hope, and then it's gone. So Jesus um, was denied by, again, one of his friends. And then one of the other um, uh, examples that I have is when Judas betrayed Jesus. Again, Judas being one of the disciples, ended up trading Jesus' life for some silver. Could you imagine having a close friend and then they just trade you for silver and then just be like, 
cool with it at first. At first, he was cool with it. Now he's not. But <laughs> but just being cool with it, you know, having a friend betray you for something as small as just some money, it's 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 horrible. And then of all the people to have to go through all of this stuff, and then end up, ending up giving his life um, for the gospel, the last person that should have had to go through this was Jesus. Jesus should not have been the one to have to go through all this stuff. But he chose to come down as a man to show you and to show all of us that he understands you. He gets you. So that you know have someone to turn to. And without suffering, we wouldn't need Jesus. If we didn't go through things in life, why would we need Christ? Why would we need him at all? We, we wouldn't need him in any way, shape, or form. But Jesus understands what you're going through. He experienced everything you and I have experienced in this life. He had those emotions, he had temptations, and he suffered like you and I. So when you go through hurts and pains in your life, <clears throat> um, you can truly know that God understands you, and he knows what's going on. And if you, and let's say you didn't, you don't go through any hurts or pains or anything. Not possible, it's not something that's going to happen. But if you weren't to go through any um, sufferings or anything in this life, how would you know what it feels like to be loved by Jesus? How would you know what it feels like to feel that peace that surpasses all understanding? How would you even understand or begin to even um, know what it feels like to have that mercy that Christ has for your life? When you go through things, when you have things happen in life, you, you get to experience those things. And that's incredible. It's amazing to feel that love. When you feel like you shouldn't have joy, when you feel like you should be down in the dumps and sad, you can feel the joy of Christ because he has that for you. And a lot of times in life, it doesn't make sense when that stuff comes up, because it shouldn't make sense. Because the way this world um, views it and the way everything um, goes around in life, there is no hope. There is nothing that this world can offer you that Jesus can't. Um, which brings me to that next point, that this world goes through the same sufferings that you and I do. Um, not the first one, obviously, we're suffering through Christ, but just being born in this world, every single one of us, everyone outside of this church, within your schools, within your workplaces, they go through sufferings too, but they have nothing to turn to. They have only things in this world to fill that void. Whether it's an addiction, it's drinking, it's whatever it is, they have to find something to fill that and what thinks and what they think could possibly heal their life. But we have something that is eternal. We have something that is able to give us joy, give us peace, and um, <clears throat> give us that peace of mind that this world doesn't have. And the things that the world uses to um, fix those things in life are temporary. They're things that um, you have to continually get and continually use. But the things that Jesus has to offer are things that are going to last forever. So when you go through trials and suffer in this life, you become more like Christ. When you suffer with Christ, you become more like him. Because that's what he did when he was here on earth. He went through one thing after another. Again, he should be the last person who should have had to go through all that. But he understands you. He gets what you're going through because he went through it himself. And when you're able to understand that, then you can then take in turn um, understanding that you've gone through something, so now you can help somebody. Jesus has helped you. Now you can reach out and help somebody else. Because the things that you go through, the things, your testimony is not something that you should hide or hold on to. It's something to help other people because God wants to use that to help somebody else. So I'm asking today, don't hide your testimony. Even if you think, you know, I haven't been persecuted, I haven't gone through all this stuff, you have a testimony. Whoever you are, you have something that you can use to help somebody else. 
And we weren't called to suffer alone either. We were called to cast our hurts and pains onto Christ, but also casting those pains and hurts um, to one another as well. We're called to carry each other's burdens. Again, this world has themselves to carry, but we have each other, we have the body of Christ, and we have Christ to help us with it. We don't just come here on Wednesdays and show up on Sundays just to have a fun time and party. We come to receive things, you know, like the joy, the love, and the peace, and to also help one another. We don't just show up, don't talk to anybody, and then leave. This is a family, this is a community that is here to help each other and here to help one another out. And if you see your brother or sister off alone and um, allowing themselves to be isolated, reach out to them, help them. Because the enemy wants to make you think that the things you're going through, you're the only one going through them. Or potentially that there's nobody else that will understand you. No one else could possibly get what you're going through. But I promise you, whatever you've gone through, whatever you're going through, someone else has experienced something very similar to it. And Christ is also there for you to help as well. Please, please do not allow the enemy to keep reminding you and telling you that you are alone, because you're not alone. Do not allow yourself to become isolated. When you become isolated, that's when you let your thoughts run wild, and that's when things happen um, that shouldn't happen. But when you allow things that you're going through in life to be out in the light instead of darkness, that's where the healing begins. That's where the healing starts. But when you allow it to sit and fester, that's when you begin to suffer even more. But when you allow yourself to take your sufferings and take them out, that's when healing can begin. And then you don't suffer as much as the enemy would want you to at that rate. Um, and I'm actually going to be coming to a close here um, shortly. So if you guys want to stand with me, I'm not speaking for very long here tonight. Um, I just want to talk a little bit about myself here. Um, not in any way of like, showing how cool I am or anything like that. But um, 2022 last year was probably the hardest year of my life. Um, there's a lot of things that happened, a lot of things that went, went on within my life that were out of my control, that were things that were simply sufferings because of this world. Things that I couldn't even script. I, if I had to come up with a horrible year, I couldn't even come up with it. But the things that the enemy wanted to use those things and take me further away from God, but I didn't allow that to happen. Instead, it drew me closer to God. I'm closer to God than I ever have been in my life. And I attribute that a lot to the sufferings I went through. And don't get me wrong, I'm not trying to puff up myself for pride or anything like that. I'm trying to show how powerful God is. Because I won't go through the things I went through because it will be here all night. But the things that the enemy wanted to use to destroy me allowed myself to draw closer to God and grow closer to Him. And that is what I want for you guys here tonight. The, the biggest thing in your life is how you react to the events that happen. 10% of your life is about the events that happen. 90% is about how you react and what you do with it. If you allow that 10% to just destroy you and allow the enemy to take um, you away from God, that's not what we're looking for. That 90% should be the prayer. It should be the conversations with leaders. It should be conversations with people you know and trust. There's a youth team here that loves you guys. We truly do love you and we care for you. We pray for you daily. And there's people in this church that care for you. Your parents care for you. Please, please, please do not suffer alone. Please, please do not allow the enemy to isolate you. Please talk to one another. Talk to somebody you trust. I'm not saying that you should go jump on a roof and just start screaming from the rooftops what you're going through. That's not what I'm asking. 
what I'm looking for is for someone to talk to another brother or sister, someone you know, someone you respect, and just lay it out. Talk to them about it. That's when things begin to change. And that's when you can begin to feel love, feel joy, and feel peace. Because at that moment, that's when you begin to grow in Christ. Because the most growth you're going to receive is when you go through trials and sufferings. You're not going to grow in Christ if everything's fine and dandy. Yes, obviously you should have a continued relationship with God. But when you go through trials and pains, you draw closer to God. You find out more and more of who He is. And like I said, when you suffer with Christ, you become more like Him. You, you know more of His identity the more and more that you go through in life. So tonight as we have a time of prayer, I challenge you guys to take an inventory tonight. What are you going through? What's going on in your life? Maybe you haven't gone through something crazy. But life is going to happen. You guys are still very young. I'm old. I'm 23. Um, you guys have a lot of life to live. Trials, sufferings, hurts, pains will come. There's no ifs, ands, or buts about it. Not only for Christ's sake, as it said in 2 Timothy, that you will go through sufferings, but in life in general, you're going to deal with betrayal. You're going to deal with regret, fear, death. You're going to deal with it. It's just a question of how are you going to deal with it. So tonight, as you're praying, like I said, please take some inventory of your life. See if there's any past hurts or pains that you haven't um, talked about or looked into at all. That you've kind of suppressed and kind of hid because you don't want to deal with it. That won't go away. One way or another, it's going to come up. You have to deal with it now. And then also tonight, if you feel comfortable with it, please find somebody you trust. If there's someone in this room you trust, talk to somebody tonight, please. Because like I said, we are called to carry one another's burdens. We are called to help one another. Do not suffer alone. So if there is someone in this room and you're going through something, please talk to them. Please have a conversation with them. It'll help you. Because back in my day when I was your age, years and years ago, there were things I went through in life that I suppressed and hid. And I paid for it. Eventually, you know, I, I, I came out with things and talked to people about them. But for a while, I suffered alone. And nobody knew. Because do you know how easy it is to suffer outside of these um, four walls and to come in here and kind of put on a facade? It's, it's quite easy. It's not that hard. So you don't know what somebody's going through. You don't know what's going on in somebody else's life. So please, tonight, as you're praying, please seek God. Seek for healing. Seek for His peace. Seek for His love. There's no reason that we should be suffering alone.